Hello and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the show of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs, and nerd culture in general. I'm your host, Mike Daniel. And uh, once again, uh, 19 Hits the Dragon has gone international. We have a special guest with us uh, here today, John Hodgson, founder and uh, owner of Handiwork Games. Uh, John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very uh, fortunate to have you here. And um, why don't you tell me and tell our listeners uh, a little bit about uh, yourself and kind of what brings you onto the show here today? So, uh, yep, my name is John Hodgson. Um, I run a games company called Handiwork Games, which we started a couple of years ago. Um, I might be better known industry-wise for my uh, former position working at a company called Cubicle 7, where I was creative director uh, managing games like The One Ring, Adventures in Middle Earth. Oh, awesome. Kind of jazz. Yeah. Um, started out there as illustrator, became the art director, eventually became creative director, worked there for best part of a decade. Um, and then a few years ago, decided to head out to Pastures New and set up my own company, Handiwork Games, with a few people I knew. Um, and uh, yeah, we've we've put together a, a variety of games um our, our main thing that that's kind of out there right now is beowulf age of heroes which is a duet play setting so one player one gm for mm. 5e um and we kickstarted that uh a year ago almost to the day we launched the kickstarter oh awesome um, well happy anniversary and, yeah. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's been weird looking back on that like year of work. And, uh -huh. you know, it's a very sort of discreet chunk of time to reflect on. And um, we're on the point of um, delivering books to our backers right now. They're all printed. They're in a warehouse in Germany. Mm. We are at the time of recording. Hopefully when this episode releases, I will be looking fondly back on this time of enormous stress <laughs> as we deal with the shipping crises mm -hmm. that is, has afflicted the world due to, 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 to all of this just stuff, everything. You know? <laughs> everything all of the yeah, gestures <laughs> broadly yeah we don't need to i kind of want to spare your listeners any detail of all of that you know mm. we're all painfully aware of that stuff yeah. uh but uh yeah yeah we, we we have a few hurdles to cross to do with heat treated pallets mm. that are necessary and in in global shortage right now which is eating up a lot of my time and, and mental health oh, geez, but uh yeah, yeah no it's I all good imagine. it's all good but the game's out there in PDF, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it exists in print. Um, we're very happy with it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been an absolute labor of love. We have a, a lovely team working on it, and um, I'm very pleased with it, if I'm allowed to say that. I think so. <laughs> I think absolutely you're allowed to say that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Pat yourself on the back. It seems like it's uh, much due for you. And having read through... Um, you know what I've what I've read managed to read through mm. in in Beowulf here. It seems like uh, yeah, very well deserved uh, for sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, very excited to have you on on here today, and um, kind of following some of the themes of what you said there. You know, you you had uh, the uh, the position with the gaming company there, and decided mm. to set out and forge your own path and make a space for yourself and. Kind of did the same uh, with, uh, you know, the Beowulf setting, right? Like 
uh, just kind of yeah. throwing the old settings out the window and coming up with something that's new and uh, fairly, you know, original and unique um, and something that is, uh, you know, personal to, to you there as well. Something, a passion project for you. And um, that's exactly what uh, what we're going to be talking about here today in, in a roundabout way is, um, you know, world building. It's something that we mm. haven't really we've touched on. I, I've touched on a little bit in some of my other conversations with with folks out here, but we haven't really had the chance to sit down to focus on, you know, just the act of creating a setting in which your uh, your games are going to take place. So very excited to have you on today here, John, to talk about exactly that. And, you know, obviously we can kind of use uh, use your your Beowulf setting here to uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how uh, to craft uh, a setting and, and uh, a world there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one. I thought when, when we started discussing the topic i worry a little bit in a good mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. that beowulf is quite unique and it's it's a weird world but we'll get into that it's it's not the traditional kind of um world building where where mm -hmm. we detailed everything we we've we've um we've kind of allowed a lot of space for gms to to put their own spin on things but i think mm -hmm. i realized as as i was overthinking this topic before the show <laughs> as i as i am want to do i realized that um that that's a it's it's a um what the word i'm trying to think of it's a valid way to approach that and, mm -hmm. and yeah there's some uh, i've worked on a lot of other stuff as well so yeah. it kind of works in in you know context of of everything so yeah cool. absolutely and and you know i i think most of our listeners i mean maybe some of them are but i feel like most of them won't be you know going out to try and create a setting to publish um Mm. That is going to be out, you know, on DMs Guild or on, uh, you know, Drive Through RPG or to to sell um, in paperback or you know uh, hardback. There, um, I think for a lot of people that are listening to the show, what they'll take away from this is going to be stuff that goes back to their own game. And um, sure. if you're Good. making a world for your own game, then it's it's perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable. Probably encouraged, in fact, to not fill in every single detail about the setting while you're trying to craft it, right? You want to leave room to uh, embellish uh, locations or cultures, things along those lines there um, as you are getting to them with, uh, with your party. Because if you spend all the time, you know, putting together this very intricate world and kind of weaving all of these webs and then the party doesn't explore, you know, a quarter of it. Like that's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. lot well, of they, effort that you put into something that's, you know, not going to come to use for a while. Right. So I think they, they always go the wrong way. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, just, absolutely. Like, that's how it works. And that's the sort of, that's the beauty and the strength of role-playing games is mm -hmm. that they don't, they don't survive contact with, with the audience. Do they? You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the audience isn't just the audience, right? They're, they're, co-creators right interacting guys. with uh, the bits that you give them there and and taking their own spins on it so yeah mm. i think i think what you've created here absolutely is something that you know using this as a sort of framework for a conversation is going to be super helpful so don't beat cool. yourself up too much that it's not <laughs> not a good <laughs> good uh, for our topic here today um good. yeah but i guess you know that that kind of brings us uh you know to the actual discussion at hand here and, mm. and my my question for you john is um you know i guess what is your it's going to be kind of twofold um mm. you know what what is your tips for beginning the process um and sort of like 
coming up with a, a core concept maybe, or, you know, where, where do you get started when you, when you sat down to think about Beowulf or just if you're, if you're world building in general, you know, what's your, your, um, your starting place in all of that process? So I think it, it's quite relevant to talk about the, the, the longest time I've spent working professionally and creatively, which is terrifyingly like something like 20 plus years now. Let's mm. just call it 20, 20 is fine. Um, it, it really comes down for me to it's stuff you're interested in, mm -hmm. which sounds quite kind of facile and, and almost like cliche, but it, it's <laughs> really got a... It's quite easy to come up with novel ideas, right? That that nobody else has thought of this thing. Mm. But creating a setting, if it is for your home game or a commercial project or something, eventually you're going to hit that phase where the novelty wears off, mm -hmm. and it and it becomes like certain elements of it become like a job of work. So you need you need an idea that that is going to sustain you and that you're really interested in, and mm -hmm. that perhaps. Uh, this is a bit along the lines of write what you know and so on, which <laughs> right. we could, you know, we, we could argue that back and forth. I think in terms of fantasy role-playing games, mm -hmm. that, that, that kind of advice has, has limited utility in some ways because who, who knows Greyhawk, right? While they're, while they're inventing it, they don't know it. Right. You know, it's, right, it's, right. A, it's a creative process, but you've got to have, you've got to decide on some core parts that are, um, things that you are basically in love with so that you can transfer mm. that love to the game and and with the specific example of beowulf when we first it, it was the first project we we did as a company at the handiwork games mm -hmm. and and we had a little team of us and and it really was about sitting down and saying right what do we what do we like what do we know about what do we mm -hmm. think we can do well um what, what are our strengths and so on and for us it was very much that um early medieval mm -hmm. semi semi mythic um all, all of us had worked on tolkien games and discovered mm -hmm. an enormous amount about the roots of of, of what tolkien was drawing on and, and kind of fell in love with those almost as much as we were in love with tolkien if not more actually in my case i, I kind of found more excitement as as mm -hmm. i'd spent 10 years working on middle earth games you know right uh, i was finding more more excitement in that open map of things like beowulf and and um house of the wolfings by william morris and mm -hmm. things like that, that that were these kind of slightly less well-defined ideas that were interesting to explore um so it was a, it was very deliberately we we sat down and talked about what we thought we would be good at Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, I think you can do that on your own if you're the DM or the GM or whatever. Um, I think, I think you can do that with on your own. That yeah, yeah. Sad, sit down and sad, have a conversation with yourself, right? So. <laughs> with yourself, yeah. yeah. Um, but you can, you know, and, and you know, ma making notes and seeing what you come back to mm -hmm. in your. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan of. I, I I constantly make notes all the time these days. It's just on my phone, you know, in a notes app. But I, I kind of. I keep half an eye on what's coming back around again. What am I actually interested in rather than just what am I interested in this afternoon? Because I'm sure we've all been there where you go, oh, I'm going to make this brilliant. I've got this brilliant idea, which is completely coincidentally to do with the film. I just watched, you know, um, <laughs> right. I've yeah, just watched just Tenet and I'm going to make a saying that's like time going backwards. And yeah. then about 15 minutes later, you've run out of steam, you know, so it's, it's about <laughs> avoiding that stuff. Right. And I think, I mean, I think it's worth, mentioning it is entirely normal to run out of steam if you're mm -hmm. creating anything whether it is a painting or a piece of music or or, or a D, D game and I, right. I 
a bit weird in that I kind of view those things all as very similar processes, actually. They yeah, have, absolutely. You know, it's creativity and, and it's very normal to you, you run through a whole bunch of ideas. So you should never be d- discouraged if, if it doesn't come to anything. And you, I keep notes on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you might find a little piece of something that, that didn't work out as a project can can be really usefully used in a, in a later project. And I'm a big fan of that. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of squirreling things away for when they become uh, relevant again to something else that you're working on. Um, I, I, yeah, I know definitely. that, yeah, yeah the, um, the old adage that, uh, I think it's Stephen King. Yeah, is, you know, kill your darlings, kill your darlings, kill your darlings. Where he's like, just cut things and get rid of them. And like, yes, but instead of throwing them into the fire, maybe just like yeah, save yeah. them for later so that you can yeah, reference them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and and Would- certainly agree with your. Uh, seems to be your sort of overall th- uh, theme here of, you know, not just writing what you know, but writing about something that you're passionate about, something that you yeah. can invest a lot of your time in. And even when you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, it's still something that you love. So uh, you will eventually come back to it, even if you have to, you know, work through uh, some stumbling blocks and things, which is is all just part of the process. Yeah. It, and it does need to. It's a really good phrase, actually, that thing you'll come back to. And that's what it's about. It's something mm-hmm. that, that will draw you back in, even when you, you know, you go through periods of being very frustrated, trying to trying to realize an idea, you know, trying mm-hmm. to, that's, it's very easy, isn't it, to sort of have lots of initial starting points for ideas, but actually turning <laughs> it into something that's, that's going to make it to the table and be played. What do you mean? I definitely don't have you know? a mountain of yeah. uh, composition <laughs> books with uh, beginnings of stories in them that are just kind yeah, of sitting right. on my shelf. That's not have that didn't happen at all. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't even go there. Yeah, but sometimes I do. Yeah, yeah. Being like, you know, it's like t- t- being too honest. Sometimes you look at all that stuff. I look at all my notes and you go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I, should I be doing this? Because uh-huh. there's so much material there that, that, and when I say so much material, that sounds like, yeah, I've just got so many ideas. No, I got like wads and wads of just terrible ideas. <laughs> <you> know, right. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm I, an expert at coming up with bad ideas for sure. It's, there's a sort of <laughs> truism in the in the art world that that if you want to sort of get anywhere as a, as an artist, and like I take all of this with a pinch of salt, but mm-hmm. there's a lot mm-hmm. to be gained from this. That that you've got to get, you know, every artist has got like ten thousand bad drawings in them, you know, and you've just got to get right. them out, you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. get them done, and and you shouldn't be ashamed when things don't always go to plan and we're all I, I i'm pretty sure it's part of the human condition is that sort of perfectionism of mm, wanting mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. you know when you're in those up moments and you think yeah this is really good and then and then it doesn't go really it doesn't all just flow from the minute you put the pen to the paper and yeah. then you you know two hours later you've got a perfect setting and then that, <laughs> that disappointment right. yeah can really put you off but that's that's okay. I mean, if mm-hmm. there's one thing perhaps to take away from all this, that, you know, that I would want people to take away from all this is like, it's okay to just completely fail. And it really is about, mm-hmm. can you just, you know, you dust yourself off and get mm-hmm. back up and come back to it. And that that's where the love comes in. You know, it's got to be something you love so that you come back to it and you don't just discard and go, well, I hate that idea now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Now it's, it's something that's going to sustain you in yeah, coming yeah. back to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess my question for you then, I know you, you mentioned that when you, you all were sitting around to kind of decide mm. what your first setting was going to be, that um, you had this passion for this sort of medi- medieval um, 
uh, you know, old world, fantastical setting. Um, was Beowulf, was that something that you were, you know, already very familiar with and had a, you know, solid knowledge or had studied like the, the poem and, and so forth there as well? Or was it yeah, something that yeah. you, you liked and knew about and then kind of had to dig through all of that to, you know, figure out how to, how to create a setting out of that? I, I guess, what, you know, how, how did y'all come to Beowulf specifically uh, there? So we, we had thought there was a really, a good place to i wouldn't really say it's necessarily a sort of gap in the market or something mm-hmm. but the the within the 5e space which we and i should make it clear we we chose to work with 5e because we like 5e mm-hmm. um and and i think it's got a lot going for it as a system i know at the moment and in, in spaces like twitter and so on it's a lot of the cool kids think it's bad or what have you i, I don't <laughs> trouble trouble myself with that too much mm-hmm, well there's, mm-hmm. there's plenty of other cool kids like me you think it's pretty amazing <laughs> um, but yeah what, I, what i'm saying is we didn't you know there's nothing i sort of felt a bit of a push towards justifying why and i've had a few emails actually from from fans and why did you use 5e and it's like well because i play it and mm. i like it and yeah. I think it's, you know i felt like we could do something with it in just the same way as i felt like we could do something with beowulf but anyway we we were kind of talking about what something we felt there was space to work with and that mm-hmm. early medieval kind of dark ages you know in the popular imagination um that space um you know you can name all the properties the last kingdom vikings all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is 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 out there um and we, we knew something about that stuff and we had some ideas about how we would present 5e for that kind of feel and there was a few ideas there already mm-hmm. and and we were thinking about how we what would bring them all together and now i can't remember the exact um timeline of this and i mentioned the other day on our blog at our website which is handyworkgames.com not handyworkgames.com handywork.games i'll just give it i'll just slide in the wrong <laughs> website yes yeah. that's really cool of me um but uh, i was reading well a blog done. the other day there about um, yes yeah, it's just so professional um i was writing about how we i could just check back in the discord we all work over discord and i could just check back over mm-hmm. the logs to find out exactly the timeline but i, I would prefer to leave this as mysterious mm-hmm. and suitably sort of myth myth making um <laughs> i don't know exactly how it came about but beowulf kept coming up as because it's got that fantasy element in it i mean for anyone listening mm-hmm. that doesn't isn't familiar with beowulf and, and there's no reason particularly why you should be i mean I'm very keen to impress this on people it's thought of as this really well-respected literary work but it's not something actually that many people have necessarily read mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those you know um and it's got dragons in it and it's got sort of these trolly kind of people in it and right. so on so the fantasy is all there which is a really nice fit with our desire to do something kind of early medieval dark ages mm-hmm. migration p- period that kind of stuff um but with those fantasy things and and so that's a bit of a no-brainer you know there's a big dragon in beowulf um and that that sort of kept coming up i think in discussion and then the idea that we could do something with with a single player and one gm seemed quite audacious or quite a sort of seductive idea that, mm-hmm. that that would be a challenge and that would be something different and quite unique and the more we spoke about it the better fit it was i mean it remains to be seen i think i think we've done quite well with it today it remains to be seen how well it catches on with people i think it's a really nice idea mm-hmm. there were some lovely scenes in in early playtesting whereas if you know we were just talking to friends really who we knew were playing 
regular D&D games and they were like oh yeah yeah we'd love to we'd love to test it out I'll mm-hmm. see if I can get my group to play and then the the light would go on with go oh. I only need one person yeah, to agree yeah, yeah. you know and you go oh this is and 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 then that really reinforced why we thought that was a good idea because if you can get a game with just one other person it's really easy to arrange yeah. and this was in the sort of before times when we were still you know able to meet people and real life and so on <laughs> yes remember that it's coming back it's coming back yeah um, yep, yep. um but of course that was yeah anyway but yeah no that's that's excellent and i definitely think that there's a lot of space um for that sort of you know two-player game essentially of, mm. of D or you know any, any tabletop rpg um that's something that uh my my partner and i have run into str- struggles with um it's like, well, we want to play a game, but it's just the two of us here by ourselves right. at home all of the time right now. So what are we going to do? Right. And and luckily, yeah. like there is, you know, the Internet, there is uh, Roll20 and uh, mm-hmm. Foundry and tabletop RPG, uh, virtual tabletop RPGs galore at this point, uh, which is wonderful. And that's allowed us to connect with our, our friends and play. But um, certainly, you know, not everyone is, is going to be that fortunate to have individuals right. to reach out to, to to play and something that. I think a big roadblock that a lot of people run into when getting introduced into D&D or wanting to get into D&D is just like finding people to play with them. Um, yeah. You know, there are places online where you can go and search for that, but you know, maybe you're not comfortable with all of that or, you know, that's uh, going to, you know, run into people that you don't want to necessarily meet up with all of the time. Right. So maybe you do, you do have one friend or a sibling or, a, you know, romantic partner and y'all are interested in, in playing D and D, but uh, you know, don't really have a way to do that with just the two of you. And now here's here's Beowulf, um, so that y'all yeah, y'all right. can make that happen. So, yeah, I think something that that Five E does really well is is the the kind of something that became a difficulty for us developing Beowulf, but is a real strength in in the, the basic Five E game mm-hmm. is is the action economy and the kind of the for want of a more immediate phrase, the sort of niche protection and so on and, and the way the party works together, I think is pretty mm-hmm. slick in 5e. I think mm-hmm. it's really well put together. It's something I admire about the design work in it. So overcoming that was was a challenge, mm-hmm. but it, it there's a lot to like there, you know, in, in 5e. That the, the group dynamic, I think, is quite strong. Um, and it, yeah, there's an interesting... I'm, I'm trying to sort of pull this into the how that tied into the world building that the idea of beowulf as Mm -hmm. as a lone hero Mm -hmm. is really important to the setting that that is um it's quite a melancholy Mm -hmm. that sort of scandinavian northern european melancholic kind of doom-laden story Mm um i don't want to give too many spoilers for the like 1500 year old story of Beowulf <laughs> <laughs> just in case you missed it when it aired um at a campfire in 1000 AD yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. off the in the North Sea um but uh it is it is quite um it, it's intrinsically for for one player if you like you know mm-hmm. I mean hey Beowulf you can play it with a whole party and loads of people are doing that but the, there's something that's really core to it mm-hmm. that that is is really well served by having one player and one one GM, um, and I think that's important with with the world building thing and mm-hmm. in the broader sense. A really key thing is what are you going to do? You know what what are your players going to do in this world? And they have right. to have space to do stuff, mm-hmm. which again sounds really 
simplistic, but it's so important. And to avoid that that thing where you the, the, there's a sort of seductive I've said seductive twice in like five minutes that's weird um, a word I'd hardly ever use normally um, there's something alluring that's a completely different version of it mm-hmm. something alluring yeah, totally in, in, in yeah um, <laughs> in, in almost you know writing your own novel setting mm-hmm. and you you put all these wheels in motion and you you make this big setting that that functions almost without the players which I think is often a goal in world building is it doesn't it, it it is complete. It's the complete clock mechanism that functions whether a player's there or not. Right, but, right. But that has some kind of obvious drawbacks, right? You know, you, you your players need to feel part of it and and like they matter. I think um, this was this was always a big challenge when we were working on the Middle Earth games, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, mm-hmm. the big story is already written, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Francesco um, and and Marco who designed the One Ring, which all of those games were based off. I think are absolutely masterful in the way they they managed to to create a, again a space for players to exist in with with the the time and locations they chose for the for those games i think was really clever for sure yeah, yeah. um and just to, to kind of circle back on on something that mm. you said i mean it, it's a very clear um choice to you know make a game that is one player one gm that sort of you know dual yep. um nature to the uh the the setting here and i think that absolutely you know having that choice of it being the beowulf setting um is is pretty key in in creating that right like you mentioned you you knew you wanted to <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> Uh, you mentioned you knew you wanted to do kind of a early medieval like uh mm. um setting and and have a lot of those uh those themes and tones to it which you could have gone with a, a variety of things that are taking place at that time. You could have, you know, been like a Viking setting, could have been, yeah. you know, the Arthurian legends. And a lot of those lend to having a sort of, you know, party be a part of that, mm. uh, right? But Beowulf is this story about this lone hero and, you know, some of his followers as well. Um, but it's primarily focusing on that individual hero, right? So that yeah. just saying, you know, we're going to do a, a Beowulf story kind of, lends it a little bit better to that one-on-one setting versus you know having a party be a, a part of the story that you're telling yeah it's, i think it's really key it within the beowulf story and now mm-hmm. i've been racking my brains about which there are various translations right of beowulf and, mm-hmm. and they always have you know some very interesting forewords to them um i think it's maria Devana headley's book that talks about in the in the the forward to her translation about that the Beowulf really is about what it means to be a a good person mm-hmm. is what it's about and and that was very much key for us I think within but that there is a big theme to it I mean in in Beowulf Age of Heroes our game there is you play a character who is is a hero and, mm-hmm. and the the class you play which has many subclasses is the hero class and that that mm. It's about that, right? It's about it has a very clear theme as well as having a lot of details to the world and and a sort of there's a bunch of sort of tropes and and setting stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it does have a kind of theme about it's about heroism. It's about fighting monsters in a deliberate and I mean this was a, a definite discussion in a, a sort of non-ironic way, right? That mm-hmm. it is about you are good, monsters are wholly bad, and are seeking to end the world. And it's you standing up against them. 
Um, and that is not necessarily the most nuanced of sort of moral positions, but I think mm-hmm. it's blooming great for a game of D&D, right? It's, yeah. it's got that very direct, there are monsters, you have the capability to stand against them. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to do it? What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to kill the monsters kind of thing? I, I, yeah. I like that a lot. I think it's a nice fit. Uh, absolutely. And I, I mean, that really illustrates a point that that I have, you know, as my advice to world builders out there is, you know, really focus on the um like being unique over being original right so mm-hmm. you know you're you're taking this your setting your beowulf uh, you know age of heroes here is not an entirely original obviously you're taking yeah, from right. a story yeah. that exists already right yeah and i think that's something that absolutely you know gms and dms uh can can do and should do is you know steal from the things that you like and put those in your world right like my my very first setting that i created was uh like essentially a ripoff of avatar the last airbender (laughs) and that whole series like i wanted to have these nations that had their own elements to them and uh and then i decided to add this like you know creation from uh dragon gods essentially so we kind of took the bender so to speak uh nations and then change them just a little bit and then change that a little bit as well so you know we're i i was absolutely riffing off something that i loved um and then i found ways to make it different than that thing that i was borrowing from right so you don't want to necessarily burden yourself with oh i have to come up with something that's completely original and no one's ever done before and you know like you said like coming up with novel ideas is easy and and, well not maybe not easy but possible but kind of creating those uh and and forging all of them together can be difficult sometimes right so absolutely rely on the things that you know and the things that you love as inspiration and incorporate what you like about those things from other settings into your setting and i think i think it's really important that that, to remember the sort of the way role-playing games work at least in my experience of it Mm -hmm. the best times at the table are where everyone kind of lights up because they know what's going on. They might not know mm-hmm. what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but they recognize the sort of, you know, they recognize yeah. the situation and you have that common, there's a common recognition that everyone's on the same page. Mm-hmm. And to help that, having those common notes that you can recognize that are not necessarily, it's not about spotting the reference. I mean, that's all fun. We all enjoy right, it, right? right? Watching, you know, but, but if you know what it's about, you can add to that pot you know if you know what the basic gist of the recipe is to mm-hmm. torture a metaphor you can throw your own ingredients in and you're all <laughs> working to the same you know to make the same dish right and you'll right, really enjoy right. it because you know where it's at whereas i think i think you're right i think something that's wholly original and, and i can think of a few games that have have tried to have completely original settings that i, I found personally very difficult to play because i just didn't really understand what mm-hmm. they were in a sort of i suppose mythic sense or what the language was of those games i i I don't know how like people talk in those worlds if they're wholly original you know it's like give me the cliff notes you know what i mean and and then (laughs) right but then you end up having to do that well it's a bit like this stuff Mm -hmm. well just cut out the middleman yeah you're gonna end up drawing on those other things that exist anyway so might as well just include them yeah, originality is a weird one. We could talk all night about originality. I'm not <laughs> yeah. even sure what what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we've talked a lot about sort of the uh, early 
concepting stages mm. of deciding what your setting is going to be, kind of what the inspirations are, um, the kind of the the tones maybe that you're looking to um, uh, convey with your your setting. Mm. Um, you know, I think also just important to note uh, in in the midst of all of this is that as you are world building, dear listener, you can include or exclude whatever you want from your setting, right? Like, don't don't feel like you are obligated to include every single thing from all of these sort of common fantasy settings. And I mean, looking at uh, Beowulf as an example here, as John mentioned, you know, like your characters are all going to be playing this one class. Um, I think everybody is is a human as well, right? Like, there's no additional races as as yeah, options, yeah. and that was okay. clearly a, a choice there. And and uh, you know, they decided you you guys decided to go full force with that, and it it it's okay to do things like that if that's what you wanted to. Just be intentional about that. And if you're doing something for your homebrew game and your setting, your your setting that your players are going to be in, just be straightforward about. You know, anything that you are removing um, that is normally in the game or if you're adding things in that are atypical, like, oh, yes, I know this is a fantasy setting, but hey, by the way, there are spaceships and you can travel between planets. Um, If your players don't know about those things, then they're never going to come across them or know that that's something that's on the table, so to speak. Um, But if you tell them about that, then like, oh, maybe, you know, in the back of their minds, they're like, maybe my character wants to go to space or, you know, something like that. Right. Yeah, I think uh, that's a sort of communication thing, isn't it? That Mm -hmm. that you don't. And again, this this relates to role playing games as a whole. I think that the most frustrating kind of games are where because the GM is your kind of eyes and ears, if you find out they've sort of tricked you by withholding information, I don't I don't mean there are ways to do that 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 are sort of wholesome and good Mm, and improve mm -hmm. the game. But I've been in games where the GM sort of goes, oh, didn't you know this part of the setting? Ha ha, you idiots. Oh, yeah, you could have yeah, bought yeah. a machine gun all along. <laughs> you know, you go, well, how are we supposed to know that? Right. Yeah, and that's not, to me, that isn't fun. That's that, And that's not including people in the, you know, the, the, I think it's important that your players are part of your world building. Mm-hmm. Their characters are part of the world and your characters will have a certain level of knowledge about the world that, that sort of has to flow to your players otherwise it doesn't it the wheels fall off right it just mm-hmm. becomes too odd um yeah it's it's uh, but but another thing is, while you were describing what we did with beowulf i i realized kind of in hindsight we we were shockingly bold about it doesn't really bother me that we just take stuff out i mean yeah we <laughs> yeah. changed a whole bunch of stuff yeah we would just there, there was no room for for sort of D in inverted commas races it just mm-hmm. doesn't fit what we were doing so we just didn't include them and and it was only way late in the project i sort of had a, a thought like oh <laughs> should we have thought about that and just like, no it <laughs> right. doesn't fit it does, right. you know it doesn't you know i've had a few people kind of go oh i want to play this and you like, no but that's not right that isn't sorry there are this world you know there you know? aren't uh orcs here you can't be a half orc yeah. or like whatever it is yeah and and i mean you know obviously you can again one of the joys of role-playing is if you can't live without doing that i mean i would urge people to try and take it on its merits and, mm-hmm. and, and engage with with this any setting that's presented to you try and get into it rather than force your own stuff in that isn't meant to be there if you like right um but you but you can you know this mm-hmm. is a role-playing mm-hmm. game you know you, you everyone's got their chance to, to 
do what they want to do within it. But um, yeah, we were shockingly bold, I think, in some ways in <laughs> in in what we were saying. No, nope, it's not having that. It's not having that. Yeah, there's no, there's not really, you know, player characters, spellcasters. Mm-hmm. There's no plate armor. There's no. There's loads of stuff that's not in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, absolutely. But, but with you know, with the intention of making it better and a sort of stronger brew because mm-hmm. of that. You right. Know, it's it's a positive. yeah for sure. It's not you're not just like oh well we don't like these things so they're not taking, yeah. they're not happening in our game. It's it's very intentional of this yeah, is the yeah. the setting and this is kind of you know like quasi realism. It seems like from what yeah. what I, I read in the uh, the introduction. Um, and, and first, uh, first little bit of the, uh, uh, the guy that you sent over is that, mm. you know, you're doing these things to sort of set the, the tone and set the mood and set that little bit of realism there so that when it does come time to t- suspend your disbelief that there are, you know, dragons and other types of monsters out there, then you already have been rooted in this, uh, like medieval, uh, setting, uh, so, so yeah, it's there. it's it's about sort of. Um, did my brain just go completely blank? I hope it didn't. It's it's about <laughs> it's sort of setting the setting the tone right mm-hmm. and getting yeah. the, the tone right so that oh this is it's all right my brain has rebooted and come back online. It's about <laughs> outcomes. It does that, that sometimes. Turnaround there, um, okay. Yeah, it, it's about outcomes that what we want players and and the GM to get around the table. Players, player, and uh-huh. the GM around the table. <laughs> right, what, right. We, what we want them to have is the feeling that they're part of, of an old, you know, historical Anglo-Saxon tale mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that it includes... It includes the things you would expect to see in a, in a, in an Anglo-Saxon tale, and that's what's sort of that's what we've provided, right? And right. That we sort of try and guide you and offer some guidelines to get you into that place so that you mm-hmm. get the kind of events you want. And I think that's a very important part of world building. And it comes back again to what you do at the gaming table and what your characters are going to do. We we had some quite strong ideas of if it's going to be a Beowulf game you need to be doing these kind of things and right. not those kind of things. You mm-hmm. you shouldn't be running around solely pursuing treasure like a regular sort of vanilla D&D game where you want treasure because that why why do players want treasure normally get to buy more stuff right it's <laughs> yes, not for, because of greed that's been why long, yeah, yeah. I mean. well yeah 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 right yeah yeah and that's that's a good answer do you know what i mean it's like more stuff is good whereas we know sort of you know beowulf and, and those kind of you know the, the viking sagas and so on these mm-hmm. are not sort of um these are gift economies you know these are not things where you get a load of money and you right. can go to a shop right. there aren't any shops you can't spend money in that way you 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 might display your wealth by giving a load of it away mm-hmm. you know um and you certainly treasure is a thing in beowulf but it's not gp that you then spend on a magic sword or whatever you can't buy right. really right. very much in beowulf it's not that's not Beowulf in the poem doesn't go sweet. I've been given all these gifts by you know local <laughs> right. king, so now I can buy that magic sword I've been saving up for. That's not a thing. <laughs> right, Nothing right. wrong with that. I hasten mm-hmm. to add that's you know blooming heck. I've spent a great part of my life doing that stuff in D and D, but but it's nice to not do that sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. And I, I think that brings us to an interesting uh, or a good point to talk about. Um, you know. Th- some tips for what to include in in your world mm. and things that you need to consider when you are building a world. Um, I know that 
uh, you know, we again, we've talked about sort of formulating all of these ideas together. Now we're sitting down to actually like, you know, have the 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 rubber meet the road, so to speak. So mm. what are some things that you need to consider, you know, need to include or need to not include, but either way, come to a decision on. Right. So um, and, and we can kind of break these down as we, we go through them. But I just want to take a second, sort of list out, you know, my, my thoughts and, and uh, John, feel free to, you know, add mm. on top of this anything you feel like is, is very important to consider when, you know, crafting a world yourself. Um, sure. But essentially, it breaks down to a few key topics. So you want to cover the history of the world. Um, you want to know the peoples of the world, the cultures and races and things that live there. Um, the, you know, religion, how is that viewed? How does that interact with the world? How do people in the world interact with the, the religion? Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, places, you gotta fill <laughs> fill your map with stuff as much or as little as you want. Um, and then, of course, uh, very finally is, in, in my opinion, is the um, the conflict that is going to arise. You know, your your players are going to be there to solve problems, essentially, when you're kind of boiling it all down to the, the, the barest uh, aspects of, of the game. Um, but there's got to be some sort of some sort of conflict, uh, whether that's monsters, whether it's political power struggles or, um, you know, powerful mysteries and terrible things happening off in the world like you got to consider what um, what those problems might be that your adventurers or your players are inevitably the solution to or going to discover the solution to mm. um is there any any like key topics that you feel like i i didn't touch on there that would be uh essential to world building no i think you'd Again, I would sort of repeat, it's really important to consider what you, who your players are going to play and how mm -hmm. they fit yeah. into all that, which you've kind of, you know, that's in there. Mm -hmm. um, the the other weird thing about the, the medium of D&D &D in particular, uh, which is different perhaps to some other role-playing games, if you don't describe those things and you leave them open, there are there's a sort of pressure of vanilla D&D &D assumptions mm -hmm. that will fill those gaps, mm -hmm. right? So if you leave it open, you've got to assume, which it wouldn't happen with like a novel, right? If you were writing a novel about whatever, mm. people, the readers would not assume that anything you don't describe is a certain way in the way they will do on with the D and D game, right? And that's it's quite interesting that actually, <laughs> you can, you yeah, know, for sure, a, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, all, all of these topics that I just hit on, you don't necessarily need to flesh out every single aspect of every yeah, topic, right. right? Like you can yeah. leave room for discovery in all of them, not just, you know, I mentioned earlier places on the map that you want to fill in later. I mean, you can fill in religions later or you can, you know, come up with a, a new culture that didn't exist until it was pertinent for your, your party to go to the place where those people are going to exist, right? Um, yep. So all of these are, you know, just things to consider, not necessarily things that you need to hammer out every single detail of. Right. Um, but I think it, it is important for each of these topics to get some attention in your mental space when you're trying to build your own world. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if, it, if it's all right, John, we can kind of go through those topics. And I want to ask you maybe some questions about, like, how things work in the Beowulf setting. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the decision-making process behind how, how you all got to some of those. Is that, is that all right? 
yeah that sounds good awesome. i think it's gonna be quite funny on some of these <laughs> yeah for sure so um yeah i mean we can we'll we'll just kind of go through the list there so talking about like kind of the history yeah. of the world first like obviously beowulf takes place uh you know in quotes in reality right like it's uh sort of yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) right so um you know and and in a time though in you know early medieval dark ages like the history of the world was very much a mystery to people at that time and i guess you know a lot of it still is to us some thousands of years you know thousand years later um but uh yeah i guess can you tell me a little about kind of what your your take on uh, plopping adventure or an adventure or a hero into the world in, in this time would be like, are they going to know about, you know, ancestral lineages or are they going to, you know, is there sort of like maybe some oral traditions that are passed along the lines a lot like, you know, how the Beowulf poem came to be in the first place? Like what's uh, what what's going on uh, in the age of heroes here? Yes. This is the first interesting one in in Age of Heroes because we were very keen that people be able to play it without being scholars of of history, uh-huh. and, yeah. and it's not it's not we're at great pains in the introduction to the book to say this is not a, a simulation of history. Mm-hmm. This is a simulation of a story told around a fire about a half remembered ancestor time right <laughs> mm-hmm. this is this is the sort of settled historical anglo-saxons who are living in they've migrated from northern germany and southern denmark they've migrated to the british isles and they're remembering a time that's never been written down and mm-hmm. is only told in stories they have a, an oral tradition and we know from real history that those sort of oral traditions and and those stories while there are common notes within them are quite varied and within and mm-hmm. certainly Beowulf provides a really interesting idea that it's translated all these different ways. So there's all these different versions of, of what is history. But there is this sort of common thread and there are some common traditions mm-hmm. about what is that that certain things are good. Uh, like sort of hospitality, generosity, and all that kind of stuff is mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. and 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 the opposite of those things are bad, right? It's that kind of stuff. Right. History is sort of a bit weird in the in in sort of later historical Anglo-Saxon times. For example, the genealogy of kings is really really important. Mm-hmm. Once they start writing things down, they generally write down laws. And they write down the genealogy of kings, mm-hmm. and these are sort of these things are intertwined, and the, and the genealogy of kings contains a load of brilliant nonsense. Where <laughs> po- post conversion to Christianity, this is more interesting than perhaps it sounds. Post post conversion to Christianity, the Anglo Saxons sort of work in Odin or Woden. They work in the 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 former pagan religion that they you know we're into is worked into the genealogy of kings and it, it both mm. donates a sort of heroic past for for kings this sort of divine right kings because they're descended from woden mm-hmm. but it also it sort of hides their former beliefs and 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 um <laughs> right elevates their conversion like to christianity pagan beliefs yes. and the christians aren't going to burn us for believing any of these things we've made it work y'all it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah it all fits all together. and i think that's really interesting and there's sort of stuff to tease out of that in that there isn't a written history mm-hmm. within the world the age of heroes but there's things that are known if you mm-hmm. like to to steal stuff from is that game of thrones where people go it is known it is known yeah, yeah yeah it's that sort of stuff that that and it's very 
there isn't mass communication mm-hmm. and, and mass communication is is often goes hand in hand with with literacy which in the half remember half remembered ancestor time nobody's really writing anything down other than maybe some sort of sorceress people who have secrets of secret mm. ways of recording knowledge of course and it's all a bit you know it's all a bit half-assed the history <laughs> you know, right. they don't they don't really, really they take it very seriously but it, it's it's a different view it's not the way we mm-hmm. moderns view history that there is this sort of grand narrative that could be right. recorded and tested they're not mm-hmm. bothered by that kind of thing you know um, and that lets players be quite free to they can they can freestyle a lot of stuff if they want to yeah you know? absolutely and I, I honestly, I think that's great. And like kind of the way that most GMs should view building the history of their world is that, you know, it, what are the players going to know? Right. Or what are people right, in the yeah. world going to know? You know, you look at settings like, you know, Forgotten Realms and, and Greyhawk and, and even Eberron as well as like, you know, the the history of these worlds are known. You can pull up in you know books or mm. look on the the fan-made wikis and stuff like that and go all the way back uh and and there's stuff written there but you drop an adventurer in any of these settings and like you know how much of that do they actually know probably not very much right so you need enough to sort of so that a, like especially if you've got a party of right. players or well even even a single player meeting npcs in the world mm-hmm. so that you can kind of you're playing with some commonality of assumptions but i think you're absolutely right in that wasn't darth vader better when he was described as having we knew we had sorcerous ways Mm, mm -hmm. right (laughs) and a sort of hokey old-time religion but you you know he could definitely do magic we could see that Mm -hmm. wasn't that better than than when we saw his backstory in all its (laughs) midichlorians and and all of that yeah and you go oh oh." and like boba fett you know darth vader says to boba fett no disintegrations and you go whoa like boba (laughs) fett disintegrates people and he's you know and darth vader of all people are having to talk to boba fett and be like chill out okay (laughs) and that sort of hint at this bigger thing i think works better than you know because of course when you mentioned wikis it made me think of that sort of i'm sorry to anyone listening who's like a massive creator on the sort of star wars wikis that explain everything in really great detail but i I just i think that for me that that's not where the magic is and hey fair's fair's fair for some people that is where the magic is yeah absolutely for me you know it's not it it, the mystery is far more interesting and you embroider it yourself and it's far more powerful 100 percent of imagine it you know yeah and i mean that's tricky right that's tricky to to achieve it and that's probably why i think beowulf was really useful you can sort of hang a lot of stuff off of that poem Mm -hmm. And the poem's not too long, right? You can read it and it's quite, if you get the right translation, it's pretty enjoyable to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite an exciting story and that's quite good. Um, there are other settings where, I mean, Middle-earth is a classic. I've spent a lot of time working on right, Middle-earth right. games. It's really interesting, again, actually, to talk about like the, the One Ring first edition, something, again, I think was really well done and was very tricky when I was creative director on that game. Mm-hmm. It was really tricky to find freelance writers who would understand it is not our job to sort of sneak in references to like the first and second age because the game is set in between the hobbit and and the lord of the rings okay so there's okay. a 50 year period which mm-hmm. i think is really smart yeah, yeah. um and it, it people living in the third age don't there's a few people like gandalf elrond 
Galadriel, right. who know about earlier ages in the world. But most people don't really know very much at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what do they know and, and how they view it is is more interesting than actually some sort of factual history that they will never discover, which right. is me just saying back what you just said, right? right. But, but I think you're absolutely right. I think it's about what what the real people of the setting actually know mm-hmm. is is more important really because if every single person you meet in the tavern thinks x then x is sort of true right, right functionally right. or true enough mm-hmm. whereas if i don't know it's it's a bit too easy to go oh but secretly it's why <laughs> yeah but if no one ever right. finds that out and i've right. certainly edited adventures where you go but if no one ever finds out this information or has no way of find why is it here mm-hmm. and we're certainly right. not paying to print that information mm-hmm. that nobody you know that's an enjoyable novel for the gm to read and and that <laughs> has its place too right, right. but if it's never coming out at the table then you'd have to be, have some very specific ideas about how mm-hmm. it would sort of affect what people knew that that you could do that you right. know, actually isn't everyone thinks it's x but actually it's y but x is sort of affected by the truth of y or something i mm-hmm. mean that's a bit too complicated for me to be honest no i think i get, um, get what you're you're going at there and i think just to kind of add on to that is that you know there can certainly be secrets that are hmm. concrete and are unknown to the greater population right so that you can come up with these bits of history about like the you know first or second age that no one mm. in the world is really going to know about but if it's some if it's relevant to something that you are going to use in your campaign and having the players come across this oh this these ruins of a dungeon and we're digging through trying to find you know this one thing and oh we actually happen to find some references to this event from the the first or second age or whatever that ends up being crucial to our ultimate goal here, then absolutely you can include those yeah, things, right. but you don't yeah, need yeah. to fill in every single detail about the first or second age just in order to, uh, you know, play a game in the third age. Right. Like, and, and do you know, this goes, this goes back to yeah. Darth Vader's source ways. Your players are going to fill it in. You know, they're going to come up with their own theories mm-hmm. and, you know, remember to leave space for those to become true or they, they might be, I mean, something I think is a huge burden on GMs is often they have to, in isolation, come up with this kind of stuff and present it to a group of people. And the group of people get to sort of riff off each other, discuss it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. at their leisure, right, without any consequence almost. Uh, (laughs) Right. And and, and often they will come up with things that will surprise and delight you as the GM. Oh, yeah. And and allowing yourself room to work it in and and sort of secretly cross out all your notes <laughs> right like you oh yeah no actually it Dave was that thing said. all along that you just said that yeah. you figured it out good job and, buddy. And, and, like, you know, it, it's not a bad thing is it no, no not, at all. not go, at all yeah you don't you don't want to be too timid and, and too keen to throw out your notes because someone said something clever on the mm-hmm. other side of the gm screen but you know what i mean you know mm-hmm. you've got to yeah, let it let it ride a little bit. I think for sure. Don't be too, you know. You, you you never want to get into a sort of argument with your players about the history of the world because mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. lead anywhere. Does right. it? It doesn't. Yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You're all making it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think uh, you know, just kind of leading us into the next topic. Uh, mm. You know, uh, the. Uh, um, 
civilizations, uh, the peoples and, you know, races that inhabit your world. You know, like I mentioned earlier, everyone is free to, every world builder is free to kind of leave or exclude things that they are, they don't want in the setting. They don't work for the setting. Um, you know, uh, again, like y'all and Beowulf decided to just go with humans. Like you can Mm. do sort of the opposite of that as well. Like if you want a very fantastical setting and you think, well, you know, humans are kind of bland and boring, so they're not really going to play a part, uh, in, in this world here. So, you know, maybe if one of the players wants to be a human, you'd be like, okay, well, you're one human and they are not common. So how, how is that going? How is everyone going to see this one human that shows up now? Like what's their reaction to them going to be? Um, and it gives you some yeah. very interesting things to, uh, to play off of. Um, I think also just um, coming up with like how advanced is civilization going to be? You know, are you playing in a world like Eberron where there's been a lot of like magical technological advances or you know in in beowulf is a very medieval setting so Mm. uh civilization and technology is going to be you know very toned down like you mentioned like there's not even plate mail (laughs) um yeah no not at all yeah that didn't didn't exist at the time yeah (laughs) yeah and same thing with like there are no inns i i read that in the uh uh in the notes here in the the introduction i was just like wow yeah no that the inn did not exist at this time so of course there aren't going to be Inns in the setting that's I hadn't even Something thought about I love that. about <laughs> I love about in in Beowulf is there there are no inns yeah we have a little box out about there are no inns now mm-hmm. in in the poem of of Beowulf the, the it centers around Heorot you know that is a it describes as a mead hall mm-hmm. right? in the center of settlements mm-hmm. are mead halls and now mead hall is kind of it sounds a bit like a like an inn mm-hmm. right you can that's where the booze is effectively <laughs> yeah it's like a tavern medieval... slash inn. yeah it's an inn you know, it's, because it's, people it's... are getting drunk and passing out on these benches right or like it's, on the, it's piles the social of skins center and... yeah you know which the tavern <laughs> later becomes it or, or rather the tavern or you know the inn the wayside inn whatever it maintains its position as as the social center but uh-huh. in the early medieval period kings everything comes from kings or queens or rulers whatever Mm -hmm. and they control the flow of booze right because they control who gets what it's a gift giving Mm -hmm. economy and they need to know who's on their land right these are very small kingdoms they're little sort of warlord led kingdoms all the way around Mm -hmm. sort of northern europe um Again, there's not mass communication and so on. So if you're in the king's territory, really, you have to go to the mead hall. You have to present yourself. This is sort of the laws of hospitality. You introduce yourself just as Beowulf does in the poem. And they kind of weigh weigh you up, right? They want to know who you are, what you're doing. They want to make sure you do understand and follow the laws of hospitality. And, mm-hmm. and if you are a good and gracious person, you get to drink and feast in the mead hall. Or, or you might not. And if you don't, then you are kind of outside of society. Now, we don't really mm-hmm. cover much about being outside of society because this would be like like just breaking into someone's house, right, and helping yourself to their stuff in, right, in right. modern society. We don't do that, right? Um, and, and people in, in the sort of age of heroes of Beowulf, they these, this is the accepted way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you are not murder hobo adventurers that, that have no ties <laughs> right. right they just roam around doing what they want you you have ties to the world you are mm-hmm. part of that sort of heroic tradition um but i find the the, the lack of inns is not so much it's a, it's a bit of a headbend mm-hmm. it's not they're not missing they're just in a different form right right and it's really cool 
<laughs> I think Absolutely, they're yeah. not there. You know, there are there aren't merchants running little hospitality businesses because it, it, in the sort of historical Anglo-Saxon ancestor time, there isn't division of labor quite to the same degree as you might expect in later right, medieval right. times. People aren't doing loads of different jobs. They're all farmsteads where everyone mm-hmm. does a bit of everything. There's one or two specialized sort of professions that uh, right, maybe an artisan here or there, but for the most yeah, part, exactly. everyone has pretty much the same skill set because they're all doing everything for themselves to kind of self-maintain yeah, yeah. and and it's it's a fascinating thing i'll i'll try and keep this short because if you get me talking about this i'll go on <laughs> um L- london roman london in the historic in sort of historical record is abandoned by the romans and there's a bit of a gap and and the anglo-saxons that, that come in sort of after the romans they don't really use roman london it's mm. like you know stone city there's a lot of wooden buildings probably but there's quite a lot of stone buildings and to our modern eye it's about why didn't they just move in and carry mm-hmm. right. on? You know, there's right. a city right there. You know, I mean, it's much smaller than we would recognize as a city, but still. Right. So, but but the Anglo-Saxons as a sort of kind of warrior culture, they just didn't really have a use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, we see much more. And then, again, this is sort of more historical archaeological stuff than, than really features in our adventure game of Beowulf. <laughs> but right. it's still, it sort of informs it, right? Later on, they, they do more occupation of old Roman settlements. Uh, but it tends to be to like keep animals, your Roman forums mm-hmm. that had like st- flagstones and stuff. They find they're quite deep in both sort of forge waste and animal excrement mm. in that they just sort of move their farms in to the right. kind of, you know, and a very different way of life that was not compatible with having a city that they, they didn't have a use for it. Mm-hmm. They eventually mm-hmm. they did, you know, it's not quite as simple as they never used it. They, they did eventually move in and colonize right. London. But, but I find that really interesting. It's about a different, headspace and a different way of life and i think that's important and no ins is very emblematic of that yeah to bring us back to before <laughs> that massive ramble that i tried to keep short no but this thank is you. the stuff I... i'm really excited about yeah, you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i think these these sorts of uh you know this these bits of knowledge can become like juicy details in yeah. your setting right so if the, yeah. you have these things these uh you know, hi- historical interactions that you can draw from and figure out, like, how does that in- impact um, the world as you're building it? Right. So, yeah, um, for sure. Um, yeah. And to kind of uh, I'm going to m- meander around through our, our notes mm. here, John. So uh, sure. forgive me. But I think our conversation just now leads into, you know, one particular aspect of uh, one of the topics that I mentioned earlier, which is, uh, you know, the the geography, right? The sort of layout of the world. I know we talked about, you know, the the edges of the map are fuzzy. Not everything is filled in. As, as the you mentioned in the setting book, like there are monsters out there kind of beyond yeah. the edges of society. And, um, you know, I, I think that geography often... Uh, shapes a lot of the the kingdoms, not not even often, like almost all, all of mm. the time, right? You see like yeah. the islands, but also, you know, mountains, rivers, plains, uh, things along those lines, those geographical features all end up influencing how people settle uh, the places that, that they're in. And, you know, you're, you're pretty fortunate to have uh, a setting like, like Beowulf where you can just like take the real world map and sort of lay over your own locations on top of it. Um, and maybe some places that did exist or, you know, uh, in, uh, in the past there, uh, stuff like that, but still the, um, this, uh, 
where am I going with this? I had a point, I swear. Um, but yeah, the, the geography is going to end up like kind of shaping where all of these kingdoms end up laying, right? And yeah. every world is going to be filled with stuff, right? There are places that your adventurers are going to go explore. Um, so I guess, I mean, can you tell me a little yeah. about, um, you know, again, like y'all were using sort of the real map in quotes, but um, like what were some... Uh, some things that came up as y'all were laying down maybe locations or coming up with kind of how all of these places fit fit together um, in the uh, the sort of in quotes map of uh, the the whale road I think is what what you called it there yeah the, the, that's kind of the, the sort of the name of the place where around which you kind of play is the whale road which is the sea really and, mm. and, and in our game that's the North Sea and the Baltic Sea really a little bit of the Atlantic maybe the Irish Sea mm, um, okay. Now we we spent the longest time debating maps and that kind of thing because we we had a, early on we really wanted players to almost draw a map as they explored mm -hmm. because every hero in Beowulf has a ship and a crew and so on and you're you know you it's the it's the odyssey of the north right, right. The, you know you set out on the on the whale road and you see what you can find um, we're also tied into that is this idea that. Um, because it is this half remembered in the poem, it's almost this half remembered ancestor time mm -hmm. set in, in sort of Denmark and Southern Sweden. But those are almost, it's almost like in a, in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Or, right. or um, in Hamlet, you know, Shakespeare's Denmark. It's not, it's not really about Denmark, right. In Hamlet, it's not sort mm, of, right. you know, the, it's a sort of place a long way away, or it's a mm -hmm. place we used to come from kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and we gradually as we developed things we moved away from drawing a map which kind of we just never quite got happy with how that would work mm -hmm. and we kind of we were tying ourselves in knots over how to i didn't want to break up the the modern map which no person in that era in like 500 ce had ever seen a map you know, with that mm, right, sort of right. satellite view or, or that had been properly surveyed that just didn't really exist there are some maps from from drawn by people who were sort of culturally anglo-saxon from rome rome mm. doesn't really feature in our setting and it just we started out wanting to have maps be a big thing and gradually they've become almost nothing mm -hmm. in that it's you each adventure is in a new kingdom that you're discovering or an island or a location you've sailed to mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter where it fits in on the map now this is one of those features that bothers me about when i talk about this in relation to sort of normal world building <laughs> right, it's right very normal to draw a map right and especially like middle earth right is the sort of the earth setting that has a map drawn mm -hmm. right and it's like look there's some mountains here do you want to go to those mountains it's that kind of thing um and i think that's a really useful technique to, to sort of build a setting really you could almost start with a map if you mm -hmm. you know um and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that we did it absolutely the other way in that we sort of destroyed <laughs> right. a map really <laughs> and there is no map because mm -hmm. another interesting historical snippet is that and it took this this was the thing that tipped me over into not really worrying too much about map is the anglo-saxons are not big map makers they don't seem to have a tradition of map making whereas they do have a tradition of naming places and and in the uk a lot of places still have anglo-saxon names and they i read a little article about or a, a journal about how they were used as navigation tools that places were named for their features and when you 
come to a place and you find out its name, you it helps you navigate and it helps. Oh, it okay, all, interesting. Know, it's like a linguistic map, if yeah. you like, rather than a you know physical drawn map and all that. You go, oh yeah, that's what we need right. because we're struggling so much to fit a, a, a drawn map into this setting. Mm -hmm. We have one because, and that's the bridge for the reader really into mm -hmm. to understand that this mm -hmm. is old Europe, right? Uh, but. It, it doesn't really matter in our game. You could each week, you know, each session, you're <laughs> right. somewhere else, and it's a, maybe it's a long way away. Maybe you've sailed for a really long time, or maybe you haven't. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's it does uh, like it, the Odyssey is a really good example because Odysseus spends however many years yeah, sailing ten, around a relatively so, small. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's like pretty you're bad at navigation. The Mediterranean, and it takes you ten. 10 years to get yeah oh, okay. he's not even yeah he's not even in the sort of wider mediterranean <laughs> yeah it's just you know? like a very he's narrow corner part of, of it mediterranean. yeah, yeah um, for sure. and you go oh but that's brilliant <laughs> isn't it that works so well because you don't when you're reading the odyssey or what have you or listening to it told mm -hmm. you don't go oh this is stupid because it'd be really easy to get back to ithaca that you know well yeah unless you're some sort of total idiot um and it's it's evoking we are that judging for, for, odysseus here by the way yeah fully right, judging yeah, him yeah. in this room He's um. pretty, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Margaret Atwood's Penelope ad is really good. The same story told from the point of view of Penelope. Mm. Really worth a read. Very good. Anyway, yeah. And, and it's in, in a way, having worried about talking about this, in I feel we've been very naughty in the way we've made our setting because <laughs> uh, we haven't got a map, a proper map. Yeah. Um, but, but that sort of references it's about how you choose it to be. And you might have mm -hmm. a blank map that your players discover that that's kind of you've got some ideas that you've carefully you know yeah i think it still needs to be carefully crafted and you let the players place the, mm -hmm. the locations as they discover them what have you that works too yeah um, absolutely yeah you know yeah i think it's about it. you know as as with everything that we're talking about here today it's really like what's going to suit you and the stories that you're telling in the world that you're building best you know is it a world where yeah. it's you know widely everything's been discovered and there are some you know, some kind of small gaps to fill in here and there. Is it, you know, like this medieval setting where no one really has a, a solid map? And if they do, then they definitely didn't use like good tools to figure out what what the uh, the geography looks like. Um, or is it, you know, somewhere in between there, right? Where you have some ideas about sort of land masses and locations and uh, you you kind of have a little bit of sense of direction and then there's a lot of mystery uh, to, uh, or a lot of spaces to fill in there. Um, again, you know, for you world builders out there, just kind of use what is, is best for you and use what you're passionate about. I mean, if you're super into drawing out a map and figuring out every single location on that map, then go to town. Absolutely mm. do do that thing. <laughs> um, but if that's not your passion, that's okay. You can still develop a world that's fully fleshed or not fully fleshed out, but feels real and feels lived in um, without knowing where every single location is um, and coming up with them as, as they, um, as they come across or as your players come across them, I should say. Um, yeah, something I was going to say about uh, that we did in Beowulf: Age of Heroes. It, it, similarly, in in just having humans as the as the playable sort of culture race, if you like, um, 
everywhere you go as a hero in Beowulf is going to be somewhere that could be imagined by a historical Anglo-Saxon storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that's fairly broad remit. You you can mm-hmm. we have some players who are, are going to all kinds of you know different places. Um, that might not be the model for your campaign. You may mm-hmm. want to actively have a journey to a completely different culture that's that's very different and you know well, mm-hmm. hey who doesn't like that right that's yeah. good stuff to Absolutely. do um beowulf does less of that quite deliberately uh, which enables us to let you discover each place at each session because it's going to have some sort of common features um so it's about yeah it's about making those choices isn't it for your game and that there is no sort of default setting for that you, mm-hmm. you do what you want to do you know yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, something else that you you have mentioned here, and I definitely want to call attention to, um, is the uh, you know, just noting what the means of travel are, right? Um, you know, yeah. for any any world builder out there, like knowing how people are getting in between places, um, is important. Or you know, are people regularly doing that stuff like that? And I, I especially love what you mentioned, um, in in the Beowulf setting is that you know the heroes always have access to a boat it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how or you know where that boat comes from like they will have access to a boat to sail to the next place um it, yeah. you know even if they run into pirates and their boat gets burned to the ground like wherever they end up you know there will be some some sort of means of travel there um, yeah, there, there might be a bit of a story in how they get their next boat, but yeah. they will always get a boat because we didn't want, we want people to be able to play a hero who isn't constantly like, if you're in a regular D&D game, I'd be mm. very worried about owning a boat because <laughs> it's just got a big target on yeah. it, right? Hasn't yeah. it? You know, and, and that makes you not play the kind of Beowulf hero who you know, boldly sails off and boldly leaves his ship on the shore and mm-hmm. goes inland, mm-hmm. might leave one of his followers to or her followers to look after the ship. But in general, and you know, that that's a thing that, that creates story, you mm-hmm. know, um, what happens to the ship when you're not there. But it's not, the most you'll lose is how much you maybe customize your ship over a few adventures. You may have sunk some treasure into making it a better ship and right, you might lose right. that stuff, but you're not going to be stranded with no way of getting around. Mm-hmm. You are a hero, a local ruler or a passing merchant will get you from A to B. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, you will always have a ship and it's like, you can always find crew in the setting of, of Beowulf Age of Heroes with mm-hmm. the whale road because there are settlements all the way around the sort of the edge fringes of the sea you can always find sailors to to replace your crew yeah for uh, sure because we we don't we just don't want people worrying about that that's a mm-hmm. different game right mm-hmm. that's a right. you know a, a sailing simulation game is not what this is <laughs> right. about that's that's uh, definitely not sure what you're made yeah. here yeah yeah um, yeah and, and we just want that in the background you know so, mm-hmm. so that's that's the way we did it and again this you know again this is sort of advice for what kind of adventures and actions and decisions do you want to foreground mm-hmm. in your players' adventures? And that is the world defines that in some ways. You know, if um, I'm trying, yeah, no, I was about to launch into some amazing example which just didn't <laughs> pop into my head <laughs> in time to keep my mouth running. Um, but like you say oh, about yeah. how you know how much people communicate around the world, mm-hmm. you know, and and mm-hmm. how they do that and how trade works or mm-hmm. doesn't work. That's a big source of kind of adventures in it. And I don't just mean escort the caravan, but that's the obvious one. Right, it? If right. it's hazardous getting from A to B, well, there's a thing adventurers do, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the, it can be a little bit more in-depth than that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I think um, 
just having the uh, the accessibility to kind of go go away once you've solved the problem, right? So you're yeah. sailing into this small kingdom, you've got to solve the adventure, and then you're sort of done there, wrapped up, you get to move on. Even if, you know, there's a, a horrible storm that crashes your ship and washes you and some of your crew up on the shore, and then you've got this, uh, you know, king or thane or whatever mm -hmm. that is like, well, I'll give you a new ship, but I need you to go take care of this problem for me first. So you go do that, and then you can sail away from here, right? You're never going to feel like you're trapped in some location, maybe there for a short amount of time, but you're not going to necessarily be there long, long term, um, mm -hmm. which I think very much gives that sort of Odyssey feel that you were talking about, like, oh, there's all these locations that we can go and explore, and we're moving from one to the next to the next. Kind of like does you know it, one, it, the anime does... One Piece that I, I'm super fond of as well. Kind of works in a similar way, right? But they have yeah, their own ship. Yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a lovely thing that one of our groups that we're in touch with on our Discord community that are doing that they're very interested in in the sort of philosophical nature of heroes, which mm, is mm -hmm. it's sort of hinted at a little bit. We didn't concern ourselves too much with this, but they always kind of leave, right? They they slay the monster and they leave. Mm -hmm. One of one of well the co-originator of, of Beowulf, Jacob Rogers. In in his written adventures, I sometimes question him a little bit because he he puts in a lot of detail about how to resolve the sort of aftermath situation. Now that is a definite mm -hmm. thing that we we have in Beowulf Adventure. Yeah, the monster's dead. Now what? Mm -hmm. Before the hero goes, what do they leave? You know, right, what are they right. leaving behind? And I think there's an interesting bit that I you know this is all very is funny with Jacob because he's very responsible and I think some heroes slay the monster and they just go just peace go, yeah. you know the monster <laughs> slain see you later I'm not <laughs> yeah. involved in civic bye. responsibility <laughs> yeah bye I know there's a massive power vacuum that I'm just leaving but the great thing is I've got a ship bye <laughs> uh, and I think and, and there's some groups of, of certainly one group I know of, have really taken that on that it's quite a you know they're, they're exploring what that means mm, if you go mm. back to a place what did you leave behind? I think that's really interesting. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that sort of brings us to uh, the the next bit. And we'll get back to the religions here. I feel like our conversation might end up leading us back there. But um, mm. these the, the problems of the world, right? The adventurers yeah. are here to solve these problems. Uh, that's just sort of, you know, the game, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So... You got to think about what are the sorts of things that are out there for the adventurers to solve. Um, you know, is it going to be these sort of, as I mentioned earlier, like maybe, you know, par uh, power struggles between nations is are there, uh, you know, villainous NPCs, maybe someone trying to take over another kingdom uh, by force? Or is it, you know, the sort of evil influence that is uh causing this leader to try or to corrupt his people or things along those lines. Right. So um, I guess, tell me a little about, you know, and I know that the, the setting is sort of uh, very much open for the GMs to figure a lot of this out, but can you tell me a little about like what, what sort of, uh, you know, conflict is, uh, present, uh, so to speak, in in the setting here, and then how did you guys, or how did you all, you know, as a, a team, sort of come up with what sort of problems to put out there for people to take care of? Yeah, so right, so right at the core of, and and again, this is an example of where several things are sort of interconnected. So 
we, we wanted to have monsters. So from the poem, what Beowulf does in sort of three instances is a, is a, is a monster presents themselves basically as, mm-hmm. as a problem. And the hero solves that problem by killing it. Right? That, <laughs> right. And that's, that's the sort of basic idea. And, and there's a nice kind of, that's within all D and D, I guess, but we've oh, yeah. sort of enlarged that to be, that's the real core of every adventure. Now mm-hmm. that having set that in place, you can then play with that a great deal about, even within the Beowulf poem, right? So mm-hmm. Beowulf hears that Grendel is causing trouble for this great mead hall and, and it's all going wrong for the place. So he, he sails there to prove his worth, if you like. Fights Grendel, rips his arm off. This is a real quick summary of Beowulf. But then, you know, as you can tell, a sort of storyteller around the campfire, really, Grendel was not the only problem and Grendel's mother shows up, mm-hmm. which I sort of love as a sort of really cheesy <laughs> twist. It's great. But in this very, you know, noble piece of ancient fiction. Uh-huh. Um, and then he fights Grendel. So so you've already got a twist there that you think you've beaten the monster because you've, you've you know, laid Grendel low. But mm-hmm. then his mother turns up. So who is the monster? Is, mm-hmm. is instantly there. Who is the monster? Where are they? Is this the monster? So you've already got stuff there to, to play with because you can, you know, I'm sure all of us can think up those kind of plots where there's a little bit of like oh who is the monster you can you can read that a lot of ways right mm-hmm. um, and that that gives you a, a ton of stuff so what we did there was set the most simple really goal for for the adventurers which is kind of always the same at the outset mm-hmm. is hear about a monster figure out where it is what it is and how to kill it but that lets you do an enormous amount of stuff mm-hmm. in in between those points, and and you know the the taking inspiration from from old stories. There's loads of stuff that you can put in, and, and we built in um, a lot of stuff about finding information about the monster where mm-hmm. it lives, and and winning over the local community, which Beowulf kind of does, you know. But we we we've, we've enlarged that a little bit mm-hmm. so that you we we present a whole. I don't want to get too much into all the mechanics of it, but we present a whole system of social stat blocks there's a lot of social challenges okay. as well as fighting challenges to, to to uncover information and investigate so again we sort of we set a very clear set of goalposts that that then lets you riff off it a lot but of course you know you don't have to do that at all but i do mm-hmm. think you need some very i'm repeating myself throughout this evening's recording that i do <laughs> think you need clear ideas of what your party are there to do mm-hmm. or things that they can do um so i think i think that's really key uh that any setting needs to have yeah like you say problems and solutions to to be to be encountered and resolved mm-hmm. mysteries um, to uncover and uh kingdoms to uh you know help yeah. rise or help fall so yeah. yeah, and there's a lot about how much how much change can be enacted, and mm-hmm. and what sort of change, and and how it affects the players and the characters, and and are you going to change the fate of kingdoms, or are you going to change the fate of a few NPCs, and mm-hmm. and are you re- you know all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The the level at which change can be enacted, I guess, is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that in a roundabout way does kind of lead us back to talking about mm-hmm. uh. Uh, sort of the uh, the you know religious uh, side of things here because I know and I I didn't read fully into this I sort of skimmed it uh, but you have in uh, in the game this sort of like 
uh, fate concept, right? And I'm definitely going to mm. mispronounce the word here. Is it is the weird the word weird? No, you're absolutely right. Weird, weird, yeah, weird. Is okay, a, yeah, it's it's the sort of um, historical. I always say historical Anglo-Saxon because the word Anglo-Saxon can be terribly misused mm-hmm. to mean white people, and that isn't what I'm talking about. Right, I'm talking about right. The historical Anglo-Saxons of like the fifth century, mm-hmm. like it's very mm-hmm. specific. You know, we're not we're not interested in you know bad racial politics anyway <laughs> right sorry sorry to just drag that into your show suddenly but I, that just why i'm always saying you know historical anglo-saxons in case anyone listening goes is this guy just talking about white white people, people? No, no 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 i'm talking about sort of germanic people of the fifth century mm-hmm, um, right anyway right um yeah, what we talking about the uh, weird, the weird. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, this is their their idea of of kind of fate and destiny and doom, all kind of. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot. Of, it, if you really want to dig into it, it, it has some more complexities than that. But I certainly think for a role playing game, fate is a, is a, is does the job, mm-hmm. um, and and heroes are especially fated characters. You know, they've sort of been chosen by fate, and whether mm-hmm. that's whether they've been chosen by kind of the will of of the old gods as we have it like woden and, mm-hmm. and thunor uh which all the these are gods you recognize if you know about viking mythology you'll mm-hmm. recognize those, those gods the anglo-saxons gave them some different names but it's pretty it's thought to be pretty much the same mm-hmm. set of gods um okay. we don't know an awful lot about that historically speaking uh but we also have within the poem of Beowulf, we also have Christianity. It's right. unashamedly a Christian text. Mm-hmm. You can see some very interesting tensions between the the sort of incoming faith that has converted the Anglo-Saxons, uh, taught them literacy and so on, and their their uh, ideas about their ancestors. And again, like I was talking about, how the the genealogy of kings is often traced back to, mm-hmm. to Odin, to you know, which incorporates that that same idea of of remembering their old faith while you know observing the new and there's a lot of this in Beowulf Age of Heroes it Mm -hmm. was quite we had a lot of discussions about whether we were going to include Christianity because that's a kind of a hot topic and it's going to have to be handled carefully very delicately for sure you know we've all seen sort of like this is D and D, but the Christian D and D. Oh <laughs> yeah, you kind of mm. you go like, oh gosh, <laughs> do, do we do we? I don't mean if I say do we need that. I mean I don't think what I mean is I don't think no, regular D and D is particularly anti-Christian. Oh right? not at all, about not at all. Good and evil, and it's mm-hmm. all there if you want it. It yeah. can all be there, you know. But but so so we were very worried about all of that. However, we we kind of put in a few tools to to when we did the research. The, the early Christian church is so different mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. either the modern church or, you know, if you think of the King James Bible, that is like a thousand years away from the people at the time of this half-remembered ancestor age, mm-hmm. right? It, right, it, right. This is a very old version. And in, in, in the first millennium AD, Christianity nearly had two gods. There's a mm-hmm. huge argument about whether... Jesus and God are the same person or different. This was not decided. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this stuff is going on. The Bible hasn't been right. formulated to its current form, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is all a matter of historical record. But we did want to include what we call in the game, the church. Mm-hmm. We call it the church okay. rather than Christianity. We right, never right. refer to it in character as Christianity. Just to give you a little remove, because we are you know, mindful that this is a, a real world religion and we don't want to be rude about it or offensive about it. Um, my wife right. is a 
pretty committed Christian and wouldn't have it. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think um, I think you all have uh, have addressed that beautifully in the uh, in the setting book here. Just saying, like, yes, we acknowledge this is a you know current religion, but mm. you, our reader, and you're the GM or player here have to understand that it was a very different religion than what you would recognize today and here are some yeah. of the ways that it that it's different here's some of the things that were uh common at the time in the church um so yeah i mean i, I absolutely well, like yeah. bravo to how delicately you all have handled that i think it's it's brilliant thank you i mean we were very keen to not draw any we replace this is alarming we replace alignment with well we, we still have alignment but it's your religious alignment mm, so you mm -hmm. are either of the old ways or of the church right but we don't we don't decide who's right or wrong right, or, right. or good or bad or anything like that yeah it and seems... there are clear, we're at great yeah we're at great pains to have there are bad christians mm -hmm. you know bad people of the church and good people of the church just mm -hmm. you know just like real world. and the same with there are some very interesting features that I know in, in our modern times, it's more sort of radical to be a, a so-called pagan, for example. Mm -hmm, radical. Mm -hmm. do, you know, do you know what I mean? I don't, I'm, yeah. I, I can't, I don't want to pick my words poorly and be picked up on word choice, but that's the sort of, you know, more out there position, right? And right. the conservative, more conservative position, depending on your denomination, mm -hmm. is is to be Christian. Whereas in in the in the time of Beowulf, quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an immigrant mm -hmm. religion. It's it's the incoming radical position. Right. It, it changes society. It brings literacy, which it, it has obvious benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, literacy is a good thing. The 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 previous sort of spiritual beliefs did not further that kind of thing mm -hmm. i mean it ends mm -hmm. human human sacrifice it ends um slavery is really important mm -hmm. that, that christianity yeah. is is instrumental in ending slavery in in the historical anglo-saxon world so there is no way we can sort of you know you it's a complicated mix of things right yeah, but then absolutely. also a, a little bit later christians and indeed people pagans heathens whatever you want to call it did both did some pretty terrible stuff as well but mm -hmm. that does happen a little bit later once they're sort of solidified into power blocks and they start murdering each other right right is a later thing right there's, a, mm -hmm. there's an interesting sort of spiritual struggle that, that seems to be a little bit less murderous early on uh, but humans being humans do the human thing right <laughs> <I> mean, just, <laughs> right yeah 100%. sadly you know that's yeah, yeah um but yeah i'm, but I'm glad you thought we we handled that because it was a big risk you know and and yeah we, mm -hmm. we took great pains to not what the the thing i liken it to is you know in in robin hood friar tuck in robin hood it's, it's the christianity of friar tuck right yeah, yeah. It, it's not particularly <laughs> deeply delved into is it <laughs> you know sure. he just you know we all know what it is so yeah I, so yeah and I think yeah. you did a really good job as well of kind of, I don't want to say necessarily putting the, the two religions or religious factions like in opposition, but mm. displaying the contrast of them, right? Yeah. And Christianity is more sort of the, like you said, you kind of replaced alignment with religion in a way, and, and there's no real like good or evil, like your hero is going to be good no matter what, or that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. They might, you know, have some questionable choices, but that's on the player. Um, but... uh the it's like you know 
Christianity is the order side of things and the, the mm. old ways are uh, like the sort of chaotic or and when I say chaotic, I mean like kind of free spirited, right? They're they're not yeah, yeah, yeah. as hard and fast as maybe the rules or the rules are, quote, in Christianity or in the church. Yeah, and even right. those were still more... kind of evolving within the church. Right. Yeah. So it, um, it, one of the one of the great benefits historically of Christianity is it is it is a sort of Europe wide organization, mm -hmm, right. which which sort of pagan religions didn't have that and, mm -hmm. and um something that, that is interesting in world word i can't speak world building terms <laughs> for the of the old ways as we call it is they're very different there's sort of um archetypes for the different gods but mm -hmm. they're viewed very differently place to place which i right. think is a really nice thing you can your hero turns up at a new kingdom and they might have a different name for odin woden right you know we give you a whole bunch of names for each of those gods mm -hmm. and you'd recognize the archetype um but but they would not necessarily be observed in the same way because it was all quite localized right um we we assume there's very little known to be honest, and anything we do know historically is written down by um, Christian scholars much later. Right, you know, right. All, all the Viking sagas are all 13th century, 11th century, 13th century. Mm -hmm. So it's it's way later than these things were really current. Yeah, for anyway, sure. And you know, again, like oral tradition, and then from an outsider's mm -hmm. perspective as well, right? So it's yeah, you know, yeah. the the monks writing these things down as the. Uh, the people are telling them the, these stories about the, you know, the Viking tales, or you know, Beowulf itself was written, you know, after centuries of oral tradition having been yeah. passed down, right? So, um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't, we we can't be sure about any of it, really. Yeah. For cool. sure. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think we've touched on, you know, most of the big topics here. Uh, we've we've kind of tied a nice little bow around a lot of the, the things here that we've talked about. I guess uh, any, uh, you know, anything that you feel it, when you're talking to someone and they they say they want to build their own world and their own setting. Is there any major points that we haven't hit on just yet? Or do you maybe have any like you know, parting wisdom to sort of summarize your experience with, you know, that came from creating the Beowulf setting that you would leave a, you know, our listeners with. I think one thing we learned along the way was, was about leaving behind things that do not come into play at the table and including a lot of setting stuff that promotes play mm -hmm. and good, good play, right. Creates narrative helps players, feel like they're in the world and so on um that uses things they might already know a little bit about to kind of make them feel like they they know what they're doing um yeah but but, but very much leaving behind resisting that urge to write what really would be the world book for a novel mm. um you know, let try and let go of that if you can, and 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 each point in your setting, think about how does this come into play at the table and improve the game for my players, and how can it be tied into mecha to mechanics that so that the mechanics are implicitly tied into the world, so they all reflect each other and build that feeling that we're all looking for. I think that we're inhabiting this imaginary world, and it feels a little bit more real than just something you just made up at the weekend um and and i think it is about all of that stuff tying it all in together 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, very, very well put. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, John, for coming on to the, the show today, sharing your experience and, and your knowledge with uh, with me and, and uh, with our listeners here. I, um, I know I'm feeling uh, the urge to go out and, and do a little bit of world building of, of my own. It's been a very long time since I've sit, sat down to try and create a setting. Um, since I first cool. started DMing, actually, and and now I'm getting a little bit of that itch after our conversation today. So, thanks. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> you're very welcome. I mean, I think a lovely thing is you can just build a little corner of something, can't you? You can just yeah. build something small, and that's good. It's nice to do. Absolutely. Super. Yeah. Um, but again, thanks. Th thank you so much for for uh, coming on to the show today. And I do want to give you a moment here to, um, you know, kind of plug all of all of your stuff there for for handiwork games and, and everything. So I'll give you the floor and I'll, I'll shut up here. But uh, yeah, let uh, let our listeners know how they can find your stuff, find out, uh, find out more about you there as well. Cool. So, and thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been really good to chat about all this stuff. So you can find us at uh, www.handywork.games. It's handiwork with an I. Uh, we are on Facebook. If you just search out Handiwork Games, we're on Twitter at Games Handiwork. We're on Instagram. We're, you know, we're on all of those social media things. Um, we've got a really good newsletter that goes out weekly that has all cool stuff about what we're up to sometimes has special offers sneak peeks into what we're doing it's well worth signing up to our newsletter following us on all those social medias um yeah uh, beowulf age of heroes is our main jam at the moment we will also be shortly kickstarting our sci-fi dystopian sci-fi setting a state which is a second edition of a classic indie british dystopian sci-fi game you can find out about that on our website um that's really i'm really excited about that i'm almost as much as excited as i am about beowulf excellent uh we've got all sorts of cool stuff for beowulf you can get beowulf dice you can get beowulf miniatures we made miniatures <laughs> how exciting is that very exciting we've got really nice inspiration tokens from campaign coins all sorts of cool stuff on the website so yeah do take a look please Awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely make sure that all of those links are available in the description for the episode as well. So follow those links there and uh, yeah, check out uh, all of John's work and the rest of the team there as well. Um, I got to say the uh, uh, the Beowulf Age of Heroes uh, campaign setting is is immaculate. So um, definitely worth checking out. So um, yeah, again, thank you, John, so much for, for coming on today here. And uh, to all of our listeners, uh, thank you all as well. Uh, hope you've uh, gained some uh, some knowledge and, and some wisdom from listening to uh, to John speak here and a little bit for myself maybe as well. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, as always, if you are interested in, in reaching out to me here, you can uh, connect with me over on Twitter at 19HitsTheDragon. Um, you can also send an email if that's your thing, if you want to reach me at uh, 19hitsthedragon at gmail.com. Um, but really the best way to let us know what's your thought um, is by leaving comments, ratings, reviews. If you want to, uh, if, if anything from uh, our conversation today sparks some ideas for your own setting, uh, let me know by, by any of those means. But uh, really the best thing that you can do to, uh, to help support the show is just to go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks again, John, and thank you to all of our listeners and, uh, we will see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye. Bye now. 
Imagine having 19 friends. 